Welcome to The Yoga Show from Yoga Journal, a podcast where we discuss all the creative, practical, and spiritual issues flowing through the yoga community today. I'm your host, Lindsay Tucker, executive editor of Yoga Journal. And in this podcast, we'll be creating four episode series around the themes of each issue of our magazine. The subject of our May-June issue is creativity. For many of us, our creative practices are a way to feel happier and more fulfilled. But can you use your own creative spark to manifest a better life for yourself, a better world for all? Sahara Rose, Ayurveda expert, best-selling author, podcast host, and creatrix of Manifestation Abundance, invited us into her home to teach us about the practice of creative manifesting, specifically selfless manifestation, finding your dharma, and work versus work. Here we go. All right, so you were just in Mexico over the holidays. Yes, it was beautiful. I got to edit my book, Discover Your Dharma, and really just dive deep into the material without being, you know, distracted by everyday life. So it was really fascinating to go through everything that I had read, written just a couple months ago and seeing just like how much even I've evolved in just a, a series of four short months. And it just shows how much in every moment our, our viewpoints are evolving and expanding and we're getting to know ourselves and the world better. So I was like, oh my God, like I can't even believe a year from now what what's going to be on my mind. But I am really excited about the work being out into the world. And when's that going to happen? It's going to be out next January, so January of 21. Oh, exciting. Yes. What Do you have any other exciting projects coming up for the next year? So I'm really working on continuing to grow and evolve Rose Gold Goddesses, my membership community. So now we are doing weekly live workshops because what I've noticed with a lot of people is, you know, you watch this amazing goddess circle or masterclass, whatever it is, but are you doing like the journaling practices or the tapping or the meditation? So I really realized that the accountability is what people need. How many of us have signed up for an e-course and not done the work? So just infusing that as part of the experience and then also having a lot of the members, a lot of experts from my podcast come on and teach. So you're hearing not just from me, but from all sorts of different people. Awesome. Real quick, explain to the listeners what rose gold goddesses is yeah so um it is the sacred sisterhood collective all about honoring the goddess within so essentially what it is it is a community content kind of like a spiritual gym membership that i created because i realized that looking back on everything in my life whether it's my book or any kind of success or whatever that I've created, it was through a relationship with someone else. And that community is so integral in our spiritual journeys, but it's something that we forget. And it's really easy to forget because we think we're being connected because of social media, et cetera. But when we don't have those strong relationships that we're cultivating, especially when you're in that very like fragile stage of just beginning your spiritual journey where you think you're crazy and everyone around you thinks you're crazy, it can make you fall behind. It can make you not actually fulfill your dharma, your soul's purpose. So I created it as a community with all of the support that you need on your journey of becoming your highest self. So we came together today because I really wanted to talk to you about manifesting and your manifesting practice. It's something that you really put out there on social and I, you talk about it all the time. So can you just start off by telling what is manifesting? So manifestation is the practice of 
of working with the universe towards something that brings higher alignment to not only to yourself, but to the greater good of the universe. So how most people practices it is, if there's something that you want, you essentially think about it, you vision board about it, and it happens. And that is not how I see it. In fact, my view of manifestation is very different than the typical one. I think how manifestation has been taken is very materialistic. You know, it's really focused on how do I get that money, that, that job, that, that, whatever it is, the Louboutin shoes. And we're using something that is supposed to be spiritual towards materialistic goals. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting material desires. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting abundance. I do believe that that is our birthright and it is necessary to live a thriving life. But I don't believe that that's why any of us are here. Like, I don't believe that any of our end goals is a Ferrari or whatever it is. So I think that Right now, manifestation is very buzzy because a lot of people are still wanting to get things and then they're getting spiritual to get those things. But then once they actually get into the practice, they realize that it's so much more. So how I see manifestation is the universe will want something to happen if it's for the greatest good of all. So the universe is benevolent. The universe wants, you know, the higher good for everybody. So if what you want is in alignment with what is for the greatest good of all, the universe will support you. However, if it's just something that you want for the sake of just wanting it, what is, why would the universe support you in that endeavor? I also believe that the things that we truly want, our highest dreams are dreaming us back because they are related to our dharma, our soul's purpose. So when we're tapped into our truth, the things that we are quote unquote manifesting are actually things that we were meant to create in this lifetime. So we think that this is just my own random desire, but it actually was implanted in you. You were born with it because you were meant to express in this way. For example, if you are trying to manifest writing a book or whatever, being on a show or, or this or that, that's actually part of your dharma. And that's the reason why you want it. And how do you practice getting into your alignment? Mm. So I think everyone has their own energetic signature and that is how they most, most authentically express themselves. So for me, dance has been a huge, huge part of it. I was a dancer growing up, but it was never a form of meditation. It was like, you know, choreography, et cetera. But after I went to college, I was in Bali and I really got involved with the ecstatic dance community. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I was in a room with people who were just completely embodied and, and moving in ways that, you know, I would have been way too embarrassed to move. And that began the process of cracking me open and unraveling me and letting go of all of the stories and limiting beliefs and scarcity falsities that I was holding on to. And you can't lie. Your body can't lie. It's all being held in there. And whatever is happening to us somatically, we experience it cognitively. So by me opening up my body and getting into this expansive state, it was expanding my mind and the possibilities of what I believed I could create, you know, before that I was like I don't know I'm just going to like pick a job that I don't totally hate like it's not the point of life and <laughs> then when I was doing that it just opened up to me really having this purpose and and also having the courage to go for it and ecstatic dance literally saved my life so 
dance has become my greatest spiritual practice. So for example, let's say I'm manifesting something, which again is coming into alignment with my dharma and I'm trying to remain in that high energetic vibration instead of obsessively thinking about that thing and when is it going to happen and what could I do at this moment to make it happen? I'll take the action that is needed, the action to the highest ability that I can without driving myself crazy. And then I'll get into, you know, my dance practice, whether I love doing uh, temple dances, which are different belly dance forms, hip hop, like every, every kind of dance brings me into that state. And I'm not even thinking about that thing that I'm trying to manifest. I'm just getting myself into a high vibration. And I believe we're like radio waves. So whatever radio wave you are on, that is the energy that you are emitting. So when I, you know, amp up my, my radio dial, I begin attracting things that are a match to it. Right. So you mentioned taking action before you get yourself up into this higher frequency. What does that mean? The action that I take towards manifestation is what I can do at this time. So for example, let's say I want to write a book. So maybe I will, you know, we can talk about some rituals. Maybe I'll put it on my vision board or I'll, I'll meditate about it on a new moon or I'll put it in my honey jar, which we can talk about too. But then I look at what can I do at this time to get the ball rolling? Because, you know, the universe is not going to give you something when you haven't taken action towards it. So I like to work backwards. So let's say a goal is writing a book. I think a lot of podcast listeners have, have this goal. So if you look at backwards, you know, it would have to be published. And before that it would have to be given to a a publisher and that's a literary agent before that's a book proposal. So going all the way back, okay, book proposal, that's something I could do right now at this moment. How, How do I write a book proposal? Going on Google, looking up how to write one, starting right now. I think a lot of us wait to be chosen and we're not choosing ourselves. No one is special but at the same time, we're all special, right? Mm -hmm. So we're waiting for someone to hand us this opportunity when the world, especially today, more than ever in this new paradigm is run by people who've just said, you know what? I'm ready. I'm just going to start. And by you declaring you're ready actually begins that process of you becoming ready. So maybe it's you writing that book proposal and then that energy is there. The opportunity shows up. You meet someone who knows a literary agent and then you have the proposal and you go what's next and you go what's next. But it has to start with you taking action, creating momentum, and then the universe will meet you halfway. Yeah. What would you say to someone who just feels a little bit lost, they're not in line with their alignment, but they don't really know what the next step is. They, they're ready to do the work, but they're just not sure. I truly believe that excitement is the language of the soul. If you follow what is exciting for you, it will always guide the way. But the thing is, sometimes what is exciting for us, we can't immediately figure out how this could be related to my dharma. Like maybe what is exciting to you right now is honestly just like drawing in your coloring book. That's the only thing that takes you out of your complete misery. So start doing that. And then maybe from that drawing, you get into a better headspace, which allows you to come up with ideas. Or or maybe it's that drawing that leads to you drawing caricatures of people, which leads to your Etsy store, which leads to something else. Sometimes you don't even remember what makes you excited. So think about what made you excited as a child. You know, maybe you the only time you could remember being truly happy was playing piano when you were eight years old, right? well, why did you love playing piano when you were eight? You know, well, my mom was watching me and I felt so proud having her watch me. And then from there, 
we weren't fighting in my family because of that. And then, and then from there, I realized that it would create more unity. And, and then you keep following that red thread that it actually wasn't about the piano. It was about the community it was creating. So then you could see, okay, community is something that I've always really valued. So maybe that is related to my Dharma. So you're never going to figure it out. Just like, for example, like this, it seems very rational like that. It never goes that way when you're in the experience. But if you just follow what is exciting for me at this time, and you use those as breadcrumbs to lead you to the next thing, to lead you to the next thing, it will always guide you towards your path. You did something like that recently, right? Mm. DJ school? Yes, yes. Yeah, so this summer I had just gotten married, was supposed to move into a place. It wasn't working out for a month. We didn't have a home. We were in between places. It was a super stressful time in my life. I had my book, Discover Your Dharma, due at the end of the summer. Wasn't even able to write it because, you know, when you're when you don't have a home, it's like complete root chakra instability. And it was just a very pitta fiery time in my mm-hmm. life. So something told me to sign up for DJ school because you have all this time in the world right now. <laughs> and I was launching Rose School of Goddesses. And, you know, I've had this dream, this vision of myself being a DJ since I was in college, but I never did anything about it. You know, I was I was focused on my Ayurveda book and 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 following that that more serious path. So then this summer I was like, you know, if I don't do it now, when am I gonna do it? So I'm just gonna sign up. And every single time before the, the class, I didn't want to go. I was like, I'm so busy. I have so much going on. I'm so stressed out. Like, I don't want to go drive to DJ school right now. But, you know, I had paid for it. So I would show up. And every single time, like 10 minutes of me being here, I'm buzzing. I'm so inspired and excited. And I would walk out of that class in such a higher state. Totally forgot that I was on Zillow half the day stressed out. Like, I was just happy to be be here, be here on this planet. And that actually led to me manifesting, finding my apartment, which we're in right now, which was beyond what, what my vision was even aware of at that time, because I tuned up my frequency. This, despite it not even being related, I thought, okay, if I'm looking for a house, I must spend all of my time searching for a house. But mm-hmm. by taking that step away, getting into alignment actually put me in the vibrational frequency to find the correct home and put me in the vibrational state for writing my book. And I still thought DJing was just, you know, something that I did for fun. And now it actually is part of my dharma. We'll have more of the yoga show in just a moment. But now a word from our sponsors. And how did you discover this path of, of following your excitement, of choosing manifestation? Because I know it wasn't always that easy for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely wasn't the language that I grew up speaking. I grew up, you know, you work hard and you get good grades and then you get a good job. And, and I was also very motivated about like saving the world. And that was, you know, as we talked about in the yoga journal feature, like my whole identity growing up and wanting to become an international human rights lawyer. And essentially I thought to help other people, I had to become a martyr. Mm-hmm. So this wounded healer paradigm is one that many of us grew up with. Yeah. That for me to help others, I must suffer essentially. We don't think about it, but we think, okay, me helping others is me violating my own needs, my own boundaries, my own desires. My desires make me selfish. Yep. And 
eventually while I was in college and going through all of these different health problems and completely not empowered myself, my body was shutting down. I went through perimenopause when I was essentially 21 years old. My body was completely like osteoporosis, lost my hair, lost my weight. They told me I would never be able to have a child. And I began this path of just self-healing, right? And I never thought that any of this, I grew up eating junk food, never thought I would be involved in the wellness space whatsoever. And then that journey brought me to Ayurveda, which brought me deeper into seeing how these doshas, these mind-body types are not only related to our health, but they're related to our dharma, our soul's purpose. So by learning more about these archetypes, I was able to see that in my life at that time, I was very much vata, very much you know, kind of floating from one thing to the next. Like, oh, this is exciting for me. Oh, now that's exciting for me. And the reason why it was so easy for me to float from one thing to the next was because I wasn't firmly taking action on it. You know, like I think a lot of people, especially in this the spiritual community are like, oh, you know, whatever happens, happens. And I kind of had that mindset, especially after, you know, trying to become a human rights lawyer and not working. I was like, I don't even know who I am at this point. So I'm just like, floating and, and seeing and, and, and learning, but I didn't have that strong anchoring. And it wasn't until I realized that there are so many people who had similar health problems as me who could benefit from Ayurveda that I had the idea to write the book. And that set this like fire under my seat to bring this work out into the world. And from that process of trying to bring the work into the world, it began my own inner process of anchoring into my own fire and my own action. Like the things that I'm telling you right now are things that I needed to hear myself. Mm -hmm. And from doing that and from realizing that, I have complete, you know, control over over my destiny. I have complete free will, but I have to show up continuously and do the work and sometimes miss ecstatic dances. Some, you know, it's not always going to be fun in the in the sense that we are using the word fun, but it's a fun in a so much grander sense, right? Like when you are doing something that's in alignment with your soul, it doesn't feel like you're, you know, on the beach, but it feels like something so much greater. It feels like this inner activation that fuels you in a way that nothing else can. And I realized that so many people are out there searching for happiness when really what they need is purpose. Mm-hmm. And happiness is just a byproduct of purpose. When you are living in alignment with purpose, happiness just happens in a much grander sense. And that's how you truly begin manifesting things because you're in that alignment, you're in that flow. You know, a huge concept in in the Vedas is when you're in alignment with your Dharma, your soul's purpose, you experience Kriya, flow, synchronicities. And that's essentially the universe propelling you in the direction of your Dharma. I think that sometimes we try to make something happen so much that that energy repels it. But if we go towards what brings me into highest alignment, how can I serve my Dharma? How can I go back to just being in Kriya in flow? The universe is like, oh, I have, I have stuff waiting for you that you're not even aware of yet. So it's kind of like the idea of non-attachment, mm-hmm. right? It's attachment and non-attachment at yeah. the same time. How? You know? <laughs> okay. So I believe that there are people, every manifestation situation is different right? So for example, let's say I'm trying to manifest, you know, for example, I'll share one of mine that recently happened. Um, 
I'm always manifesting expansion, bringing my message out to more people, but I'm never in a tangible way. For example, I couldn't have imagined yoga journal, etc. So recently I had a horrible nightmare and that nightmare was of my father being shot and I woke up hysterically crying and my father is still alive, but we don't really speak that much. And what that dream made me realize was just all of the things that, you know, I, I wish I could have said to him the way that our relationship could have been different. And just, you know, if he died right now, how I wish I had this close, beautiful relationship with my father that I never did have, but also all of the anger that I still had towards him that made me not become close to him. So all of this stuff started to come up. And I think we get these opportunities all the time to do really deep inner work, but it's so much like, hello, relationship with our father, God. Like, yeah. can I chill a little? <laughs> yeah. Um, so instead of, of pushing it away, I went further into it. So I thought just, I went really deep into all of the times of my life that I so wanted the love, the attention of my father and he wasn't available to receive it or he was energetically shut off or angry or whatever it was. And then also all of the times that we had beautiful moments and beautiful memories. And, and that brought up, you know, just different emotions of gratitude and of anger. And I decided to write a letter to him of all of the things that I wish I could really say to him. Oh my goodness gracious. I don't think I've ever cried so much, just really letting it all out. And you just realize how many layers upon layers upon layers. And then I channeled a letter back from his highest self to me. What I know his highest self would want me to know if his ego wasn't involved. And that was really beautiful and healing because I could also witness the true love that he had for me. And I was looking at pictures of myself, like being a baby and how excited he was and how like at that time, neither of us could have imagined what would have happened. You know, you're just so excited about your child. And then I wrote a letter to myself as a child of the things that I wish someone would have told me again, hysterically crying. And then a letter back, finally, this was like a four hour long process of just Niagara Falls of um, my child self to me. And like, you know, despite it being hard and difficult, I came out the way that I did. So in a way, maybe things had to be exactly as they were. So went through this very cathartic healing process. Didn't have any conversation with my father, but just I energetically felt better about that situation. The next day, I get a phone call from an executive producer at Netflix, which was not on my vision board periphery at all, saying, I've been on your email list for a couple of years, and I wanted to reach out to you. I have an idea of doing a show with you. Oh, wow. And the next day, like, you can't make this (laughs) shit up, you know? And and I really believe that there was something I was holding on to, anger, sadness, towards my father that was kind of keeping me anchored to this lower vibration. And then when I was able to clear it and that dream gifted me the opportunity to bring it full front. And then I took the leap to take action and to dive further into it. It just opened me up to this new vibration that I was able to, again, call in things that I couldn't have imagined myself. So things like that, you can, you can chant, and mantra, et cetera, but you can't predict something like that. Whereas if it's something specific, I know people do little manifestations. For example, um, how I manifested my husband, I wrote a list out of everything that I wanted from what do we talk about on the weekends to what's his career? And I wrote different options and it pretty much was like right off of the paper. He came to life within a month. 
Wow. But also I was doing a lot of healing work and letting, you know, it's this, it's this beautiful dance of like letting go of the cords that are holding you down while also reaching up. That's really how manifestation works. I think most of us are only focused on the reaching up, the vision boarding, the fun part, but actually it's the going into the shadow part that lets you rise up to that vibration. Yeah. And can you recall a time, maybe when you were just starting out with this sort of thing, when you finally, something happened when you thought, oh, this has to be working. It can't be anything else. Well, the Deepak Chopra thing is a big one. Um, So for those of you who haven't read the Yoga Journal article, long story short, I've always read it. (laughs) And I have always very much looked up to Deepak Chopra. He's always been a huge role model in my life. And So many times when I was not sure of my path or I was sure of my path and my parents were definitely not sure of it, he was like that role model of like, oh my goodness, what if I could become someone who could help others like Deepak Chopra? So I was at this yoga and science conference that he was not a part of. I was just happened to be at this conference because a friend from Instagram invited me to it. And I was at this conference, it was about to go out for lunch, and I remember thinking in my head, I was honestly pretty bored. And I was (laughs) like, the only thing that could make right now super lit is if Deepak Chopra just walks on stage. Just a passing thought. And lo and behold, he walks on stage and just says, hello everyone, and and goes off stage like, okay, and now it's time for a lunch break. And just something came over me. This is probably the only chance in your life that you're going to see him, so walk up to him. And she's on a stage. There's a thousand people in this crowd. I'm 24 years old, you know, <laughs> like what am I going to do at this time? And I just walked down the crowd onto the stage. And then when he was done having his conversation, he's like, hey. And I just told him I had written this book, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, and how he was a huge, you know, motivational factor of it, and that I would love to share the PDF with him. That was your first book. And that was, well, I had written a book about Ayurveda before, Eat Right for Your Mind Body Type. So that's why I say just go after what you want, because I want to write this book, but I wasn't getting a book deal. So I just wrote a book. And from there, eventually, having written that book, I met a literary agent who then going back to this situation, who pitched that book to 30 publishers who all said no. Oh, yeah. So a lot of people at that point would be like, I'm never, it's never gonna work. And in fact, all of the reasons why they said my book would never work were the same fears that I had. No one cares what Ayurveda is, no one knows what you're talking about, you're too young, you're not a doctor, da 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 So all of the fears that I had in my head were literally spoken back to me <laughs> by professionals. So that would have been a really great place to stop. I think that's where most people would have stopped. But I knew that this work needed to go out and help people. So I met this girl who knew a literary agent who had pitched the book. And a week after all those rejections, she was contacted by Penguin Random House. Mm. And they were looking for someone to write the official idiot's guide to Ayurveda. We sent over my book. They could see that I had already literally written hundreds of Mm. pages on Ayurveda and They gave me 24 hours to write the first chapter. I did it. To write the table of contents, I did it. I was ready to serve. And I got hired to write that book. And that was the book, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, that I showed to Deepak Chopra, which led to him writing the foreword of that book, me being on the faculty of Chopra, going to be teaching a retreat with him in a couple months, him writing the foreword to Eat, Feel Fresh, Discover Your Dharma. All because, like going back on it, 
I just chose myself, you know, yeah. I chose that I was ready and I took action. And then the universe met me halfway and gave me the opportunity to walk up to him. So I believe, you know, how a lot of people say luck is when preparation meets opportunity. That is how manifestation works too. Let's take a quick break for these messages. Tell us a little bit about some of the practices you mentioned, the honeypot, you know, what little rituals and practices do you do to tap into this? Mm. So astrologically speaking, the new moon is the best time to manifest because essentially you are creating a new cycle. A new moon is the start of a new, um, a new energy, a new, a new frequency. So if you, for example, on a new moon, write down the things that you're calling in, maybe like, for example, I'll do a list of 10 things. You could do it like five things and it doesn't have to be specific career or finance. It could just be, you know, like more time with my friends, more time for self-care, more like a Bianca self-oil massages, whatever it is that you're genuinely calling. in. I think a good mixture of self-care, career, et cetera, are, are really good. And then from there, there's more rituals as you could get as witchy as you want. So one that I did on New Year's with my friends that I love is the honey, the honey jar. So this was taught to me by my friend Cassandra. And essentially you take a little glass mason jar. You write down the things that you're calling in. You could also take pictures from magazines or Pinterest, et cetera, and, and put them in there. You drizzle honey over it. Honey is sticky and it's sweet. So it has that energy of, of calling it in when the time is right and making it sweet. Then you could put lodestones, which are magnetic crystals in there. So that's again, bringing that energy in. Yep. And then you put a candle, like a wax candle over it and you burn the candle and you let that candle wax, you know, drip all over. And by the time the candle is done burning, the spell is complete. And now all you have to do is wait for it to come to you. So that's a really beautiful symbolic one. It's a fun one to do with your friends. Another one that is specifically abundance related, which a lot of people are calling in right now, is um, to use the energy of thyme. So thyme, the the fresh herb, yeah. has this abundance energy to it. So you take, you write down what it is that you're manifesting on a piece of paper, you wrap that around in a dollar bill and then you wrap that around like as if you were using a string, but with time. So okay. that time is wrapping it in a little bow. You have your dollar and you have the thing that you're manifesting in there. And then you could put it into the soil. If you have a money tree at home, I have a money tree. I put it into yeah. my money tree. Um, so again, that's the symbolic energy of, because abundance really is earth energy. It's giving forth. And I think a lot of us, we just focus on abundance again in that material sense, but calling in abundance in all areas of our lives, abundance of, of pleasure, abundance of inner knowingness. Um, so that really has that very Lakshmi, Kapha, vibrant, abundant, Venusian energy. These are all different terms for that same thing. So that's a really beautiful one. I mean, a lot of people love vision boarding, visualizing. For example, today when I was leading the meditation for the rain in Australia because of the fires, 
I was having people imagine the rain pouring on them. Just imagine that rain going down your face and it's in your hair and, and the muddy soil and you're dancing in the mud and everyone around you is rejoicing in this rain and you're celebrating and getting into that energetic state of celebrating as if it already happened. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us are so focused on, Oh, I hope this happens. And that still has the energy of it being far away. Right. But if you can imagine like it's already happened now, how do I start showing up as if this was happening? So if you're calling in more, I love what would a person who's with their partner how would they show up in this world you know that person who has their book or has this career how would they vibrate differently like they wouldn't be like how Gabby Bernstein says manic manifesting they wouldn't have this scarcity or or lack mentality around it they would be fully embodied into Mm -hmm. it So it's that mixture of calling it in as if it already happened and then also taking the action that we can to make it our reality. And how much does gratitude play a role? Yeah, so gratitude essentially, we are human mirrors. Anything that is inside of us is going to attract back to us. So when we create more gratitude into our lives, we essentially are amping up our vibrational frequency so more things for us to be grateful for will show up. For example, I love decorating my apartment. I love my style, but my husband does not. He (laughs) likes concert posters and just a different vibe than me so he was like i need to have this like old record player in our living room he would not budge on it so there it is and at first every time i would look at it i would get very mad like oh everything looks so perfect except that's there and it was bringing down my vibe i was like okay i can't have this in my life every time i look at it it's like an eyesore how many of us have something in our lives that is an eyesore that we're looking at on a daily basis whether it's in our homes our lives, friends, partners, like I was like, I cannot have one of those in my life, in my life. (laughs) So I know, and I saw the first album said grateful dead and had a skull. I was like, Oh, death. Oh God. (laughs) Why am I looking at that every day? But I was like, you know what? What if every time I looked at that, I list one thing I'm grateful for before I'm dead. And it's this reminder to me. And now I love it. In fact, he moved around the records. I was like, no, we need the Grateful Dead one in front. (laughs) Because every time I look at it, whatever I'm doing, if I'm dancing, if I'm writing, I'm like, I'm so grateful that I have an audience I get to write for. I'm so grateful I have a body I get to dance with. I'm so grateful I have a dog I get to walk and, and feed. So even taking something that could be an annoyance and flipping that around and being so grateful for it changes everything for you. And in fact, that could be that the thing that helps you manifest when it originally was the thing that was like against your manifestation. Yeah. 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 It's also not ugly, by the way. <laughs> I <laughs> love it. There. It's beautiful. It's, it's perfect. It's my favorite part of the house. <laughs> uh, no, your house is beautiful. So tell me, what are you manifesting for 2020? So for me, I like to keep things very open. So there are two types of manifestors in human design. And you can actually look at your human design chart and see what you are. Human design is a system that blends together astrology with the I Ching, which is a ancient Chinese system. It was created in the 80s to help people better understand their kids, um, which is very interesting because if you're able to understand how your kid shows up in this world, you could essentially like cater their learning style, et cetera, to them. So it's this beautiful system. Um, We don't have to go into totally what human design is, but there's four main archetypes, generator, projector, manifester, and reflector. And I'm a projector, for example. So how do you find out what you are? It's on the chart. You can, yes. So you, do you know your human design? I don't. Oh, we should look it up. Yes. 
So it's, it's an astrological thing. So you would be able to look it up online. If you just Google human design chart, there are many websites that do it for you. I have like some podcast episodes. There's a lot of information online about what they all mean, but in your chart on the bottom right corner, there's going to be an arrow. There's like a series of arrows, but the one that's on the bottom right is going to be that arrow that represents whether you're a specific or non-specific manifester. If it is facing towards the left, that means you're a specific manifester. You're someone that really needs a clear vision of what it is you want. You need to write it down. You need to have that very specific vision board. And these people function well in life like that. They have their clear goal and that's essentially what's going to happen or something better. I always say this or something better because we don't always know. Now, people whose arrows are facing towards the right are non-specific manifestors. So they should just focus more on the energy of what they're calling in less than that specific thing. So I'm a more abstract, non-specific manifestor. I've noticed the best things I've manifested in my life I could have never predicted. Mm -hmm. The things that I predict actually keep me really finite. And to me, that energy of like, okay, it's a new year. What are my Q1 to Q4 (laughs) goals? And like breaking it down by the month, by the week, by the day, by the hour, like that to me feels really constrictive. It doesn't feel expansive for me. It feels like, how would I know better than the universe? Like I like the universe to surprise me and also take the highest action that I could take at any given moment based off of what's exciting for me. So I think that's partially related to my human design. It's partially just more of a feminine approach. I think that that setting specific goals and daily tasks to get to that goal is hyper-masculine and our society is hyper-masculine and that's why people are taught to set goals in that way. But the more feminine approach would just get into that frequency of feeling what you want to feel and then letting the actions unfold. So for this year, I genuinely don't know what's going to happen. I know I want to continue expanding. I know I want to continue Rose Gold Goddesses. I'm waiting to see what happens with with the Netflix show. Maybe it will happen, maybe something better. But besides that, I have no idea. And to me, that feels exciting because it allows me to, to follow what is at the highest alignment for me at that time. I could have never predicted this past year had gone the way that it did. And it ended up so much better than I ever could have. Awesome. Well, Lindsay, I'd love to know, what are you manifesting this year? (laughs) I've got some things in the works. Um, I just actually moved into a new neighborhood and I'm taking this new job, started this new podcast. And so I think 2020 for me is a year about being open to opportunities. Um, I'd really love to get a book deal if anyone's listening out there. So I think what I'm calling in right now is just um, a greater reach, greater audience, sort of spreading my voice. Mm, I love that. So we are holding space for you. I think another thing when people are manifesting, they're so afraid of saying it because we've grown up like, don't tell anyone your dreams. Like they're going to take it from you. It's not going to happen. You're going to jinx it, you know? (laughs) And we're living our lives like, oh my God, brace yourself. Like we're life's tough. We're a helmet. Right. And (laughs) like whatever I'm manifesting, I tell everyone, I'm like, yeah, I really want to get a show. I really want to do this because that's putting the energy out there that it's going to happen. And whether it's someone that like physically helps you and introduces you to your book deal, or if it's just you believing in it, you know, again, that holding it to ourselves is such scarcity it's making it feel like someone else is going to take your idea which is impossible because no one else is you 
Mm-hmm. So I think the more that we feel comfortable sharing what it is that we truly desire and not feeling guilty about it, like yeah. we are humans, we all have desires. There's nothing wrong with desiring. In fact, it is what makes you you. So own it. Like own, like fuck yeah. Oh, can I swear? Yeah, I all think. Right. All right, I'll just say <laughs> heck yeah. Okay. <laughs> So own like, heck yeah, like I want a book deal. I want to expand. I want to be seen by more eyes. And that doesn't make me selfish. That doesn't make me wrong. In fact, that allows me to spread my message and bring more light to this planet. Exactly. And so it is. (laughs) So it is. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for talking to us today. This was great. Ah, Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime. Thanks for listening. And thanks again to Sahara for taking the time to sit down with us. For more from her, check out her show, The Highest Self Podcast. To watch her guided dance meditation video for manifesting your heart's desires, head to yogajournal.com. On The Yoga Show, we'll continue to bring you in-depth, enlightening, and inspiring conversations with thought leaders in wellness every two weeks. Don't forget to check out Yoga Journal online at yogajournal.com. Continue the conversation at Yoga Show Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Leave a rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow me on Instagram at lins.tucker, that's lins with a D, for behind-the-scenes looks at what's happening at Yoga Journal and beyond. The Yoga Show is produced by me, Lindsay Tucker, and Aviv Rubenstein. Find him on Twitter and Instagram at Rambo Calrissian. Theme music by Katie Canavan. Get more from her at Accordion to Katie on Instagram. So tune in next time for more from The Yoga Show. Until then, this is Lindsay Tucker. We'll see you soon.